journey of discipleship. What we recognize is that Jesus calls us to do more than know about him, but to know him. What Jesus calls us to do more than uh, to think about him, but to follow him. As one really fun pastor had a way with words, he describes it this way. He said, Jesus doesn't want us to just be fans. He wants us to be followers, all in disciples. And so for the next few months, we're going to be searching the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus uh, to hear what does Jesus have to say about those who follow him and how can we grow deeper in our love for him, our faithfulness, and demonstrate uh, our discipleship with Jesus. It's an invitation for us to become all that Jesus wants us to be, to be his followers, his people, holy through and through. And so with that, I'm going to invite us to turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading chapter 14. We'll grab the first verse for context and then read verses 7 through 14. I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Down to verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you will come to you and say, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So the same reason that I love the internet is the same reason I hate the internet. I mean, you get so many awful things you learn about that you didn't need to know about. But do you know what? The, it, you can learn about so many wonderful things that you had no, you never would have learned about without it. I learned uh, this wonderful story about Wanda Dench. Wanda lives in Mesa, Arizona, where it's cooler than this. And one day, back in 2016, Wanda was preparing to send out. She wanted people to come for Thanksgiving dinner. 
And so she was inviting all of her family to come. There had apparently been some weddings in the family. She wanted to make sure that, that the new in-laws could know that they could come. And just like any grandma, let's fill our house up with family for Thanksgiving. And so she did it in a pretty modern style. She just started sending out text messages to everybody. Um, and so she wanted them to come for Thanksgiving. Now, little did she know that one of her grandsons had recently gotten a new phone and subsequently changed his phone number. Because here's the response that she got. Thomas, will you put this up for us? Uh, you may not be able to read it, but you get the point. It says, Thanksgiving's at my house, November 24th at 3. Let me know if you're coming. Hope to see you all. Of course, that includes Amanda and Justin. And the response is, who is those? And she responds, your grandma, with this sweet little grandma emoji on there. Grandma, the person responds, can I have a picture of who, she says. You, LOL, that means laughing out loud. I learned that yesterday. And here's the picture. This is, I'm old. That was Wanda. That was Wanda. Back up for me twice. That's Wanda. She said, I don't, well, I wonder why Wanda, is, do you forget what I look like, grandson? I have no idea. Well, this is what happens next. Go ahead. She says, I'm at work. Here's a picture of me. And here he says, he takes a picture of himself, sends it right back and says, you're not my grandma. And it's got, it's got that little, okay, so, so for those of you emoji folks, it's got the little embarrassed flush emoji little face. It's got the laughing out loud with tears face. And it's also got this strange like skull and crossbones thing. It's, and, and I think what, what he was communicating there is his grandma was dead. His grandma passed away. And he said, can I still get a plate though? And she said, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. They feed everyone. And show me the next picture if you can. Wanda and Jamal and some friends at Thanksgiving dinner. Can you believe that? Isn't that something? That is something. Jamal Hinton is the gentleman. He was a 17-year-old student. And if you saw in his little selfie, he uh, broke the rules by taking a picture in school. Uh, Kids, no cell phones in school. I'm obligated to tell you. (laughs) He made plans to join their family for Thanksgiving dinner that year. He said, I'll bring the pumpkin pie. The only thing that went wrong is he actually forgot the pumpkin pie, but everything else was fine. And he's actually joined them for Thanksgiving dinner every year since. In fact, he brought a guest with him one year. Jamal and Wanda, actually, they talk roughly, according to their story, about once a week. He said, I think of her kind of like an adopted grandma. An accidental invitation to a complete stranger is met with, can I still have a plate, though? Of course you can. That's what grandmas do. The dinner table is a pretty important place. I mean, you think about that. Thanksgiving is kind of like the, the, one of the last remaining pinnacles of a feast that matters in our culture. You know? It's important, and, and, and we want people with us, and, and there's still some uh, trappings to it and tradition to it and order to it and love to it. And, and we mark... Even if Thanksgiving's kind of the big feast, we still mark special things with meals at tables with each other, don't we? It's your birthday. What are we going to do for your birthday dinner? It's anniversary. What are we going to do for anniversary dinner? Time out real quick. I spent the first 12 years of my marriage with Amanda thinking that I needed to treat her to fancy restaurants for anniversary. Turns out I was wrong. All that girl wants for her anniversary is Chick-fil-A. I'm not lying to you. I found out one year because she said, I want a treat. And so she said, meet me at so-and-so at 
5 o'clock after work. And so I met her. She drove me over to Chick-fil-A where she had the cow dressed up like a waiter and had our fine china at the table. That's crazy. But we mark these things, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. In fact, you know what I heard most this morning? Hey, are you grilling tomorrow? Labor Day, a lot of people are thinking about what are we going to have for dinner on this special day? There's something special about marking moments with meals. And it's not just because of good food either, though good food is is good. (laughs) Good food is good. There's something special about it. There's something about the intimacy of eating with people. I'm going to do the same thing that you have to do. We're going to eat. I have to do this to live, and you have to do this to live, and we're going to sit in the same space together. The table is an important place. Why do you think that one of the most common pieces of advice for families of any kind is is eat together? It's because the table is a place to practice life. It's a place to build relationships. Sitting down with people regardless of what's going on in your life, that's important. Sharing space, it's important. No matter what's going on, you go to Thanksgiving dinner uh, and Uncle Johnny and Aunt Sally have divorced and Uncle Johnny's got a new girlfriend, 18-year-old, and turns out she's coming to the table too and it's weird, but guess what? There you are at the table together. You're going to be there sharing space. You stole my this and that and you broke my such and such and we haven't talked in a year and last time we talked you were mean and we're coming together for Thanksgiving, but guess what? We're at the table sharing space, dealing with issues, learning manners, social order. And it's been that way for, in most cultures, for thousands of years. There's something special about it. In fact, um, a lot of important things in the Bible happen around the table or surrounding food. The Bible is all about meals. That's why we, as good Christians, try to eat together as often as possible. Praise the Lord. We even made up an excuse to eat together last week. It was kickoff Sunday. It's not on your calendar. It was on mine, but we were going to get together and eat. Amen? Yes. The Bible is all, is focuses a lot around meals. Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, for example, Luke talks about dinner tables all the time. He, Jesus eats with sinners. He teaches at meals. He shares the Last Supper with his disciples. Of all of the things that the Gospel could spend a lot of time on, it's this meal. And guess who's there? Judas, who is about to betray him. There's something special about the table. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus ends the, really, one of the last things he does in the Gospel is share a communion-like meal with some strangers on the road to Emmaus. It's, it's important. And so here in this passage we read, Jesus in Luke 14 is once again at the table. Once again, important things happen there. So it turns out that a ruler of the Pharisees is throwing a party at his house. And it's the Sabbath day. So obviously somebody else has done all the cooking. All the who's who of religious society is there. The closer Jesus makes it towards Jerusalem, the more he runs into professional religious types, people who know how to do church real well. And this dinner is full of them. And Jesus is invited too. And it turns out that I think they quietly want Jesus to be the entertainment because verse 1 of, the, of this passage says, Oh, and Jesus was at dinner and they all watched him carefully. It's kind of like that guy that nobody really uh, wants to spend time with, but you invite him to all your stuff anyway because he says the darndest things. <laughs> it's it's going to get quiet, and he's going to pipe up, and it's all going to be funny. That's why we bring him. And, and so Jesus is, is uh, almost going to be playing court jester, it sounds like, and Jesus does not disappoint. He does not disappoint. I mean, before they're even seated for dinner, apparently a sick guy walks into the house and Jesus heals him right there on the Sabbath, which is a no-no because you don't work on the Sabbath. And not only that, 
Jesus has the nerve to give unsolicited advice to both the guests and the host. Don't you love unsolicited advice? It's like, hey, can I give you a piece of advice? Internally, no, 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 you can't. Don't really care. Externally, please, tell me everything you think about me and what's going on in my life. Jesus just pops right up there, the guy who always gives advice to the guests and the host. This is what he says to the guests. He sees them all there, and they're all running to the head table. It's one of those formal kinds of things where you've got the, the fancy people sit up or the important people sit up front. Everybody knows their place. Don't sit in grandpa's chair at Thanksgiving. You sit at the kids' table. I still sit at the kids' table. I don't get it. But Jesus sees all these people running up and uh, trying to grab those places, and he basically tells them this piece of advice. He says, look, look, when somebody invites you to a wedding feast, you know, don't go sit in the place of honor. Don't run up to the head table. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be somebody more important than you at that feast, and you're not going to know it, and you're going to make it so that the the host of the feast is going to have to walk up to you and say, I'm sorry, there's somebody so much more important to you. They need to sit at the head table. Well, you go sit at the kitty table, and everybody's going to see it, and you're going to be ashamed. But instead, so why don't you, when you go to one of these little parties, why don't you start at the kitty table so that the host walks up to you and says, oh my goodness, you're too important to sit there. Come on up to the head table. Because Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now that's good advice. I mean, that's good advice. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of folks, do you? Nope. I'd rather be honored than embarrassed, so start low. Don't start high, start low. That's good advice. I think that'll work. Doesn't sound like bad advice, especially for all of us who are trying to get up and coming in the world. And now the host gets some advice too. And this time it's a little more pointed um, and I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall at this time. He turns to the host and he says, hey, look, when you throw a party, don't just invite folks like this, your friends and your family and all your rich friends, because you're just trying to get something out of them. They're going to give you an invite back. They're going to owe you a favor. Uh, they're going to make you an offer you can't refuse and all this the Godfather kind of stuff. Don't do that. Invite the poor. Invite the lame. Invite the crippled and the blind, people who can't repay you at all. If you do that, Jesus says, then you'll be blessed. Oh, I like the sound of that, don't you? I'll be blessed, praise the Lord. Jesus says, and you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, I mean, that advice stings a bit, but it's not bad advice. I mean, think about it. It sounds like if you want to be blessed and you want to be honored, here's what you do according to Jesus. I want to be blessed and honored, so I'm just going to invite some poor and sick folk to my party, and I'm not going to sit at the head table. And from there, I will be blessed and honored. And that's just, we could just leave it at that. That's just good practical advice. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for getting ahead in the world, right? Just invite some poor people to dinner. Don't sit at the head table. I'm getting ahead in the world. But if we stop there, we'd absolutely miss the point completely. Because Jesus, Jesus really has no interest in helping you get ahead in the world. Jesus does not care about us getting ahead in the world. Jesus cares about the kingdom of God and our righteousness. You see the difference? Jesus cares about the kingdom and our righteousness. Jesus isn't teaching us about how to act to get ahead in the world, but he's teaching us how kingdom people live. And Jesus uses these everyday opportunities to say that in your everyday life, there are opportunities for you to live as kingdom people, as disciples, at your tables, at your workplaces, in your neighborhood, in your relationships. 
This is how kingdom people live. You see, Jesus isn't teaching us about how to get ahead. Here at the table, Jesus is teaching us a key characteristic of a disciple, and that is humility. Humility, a key characteristic of a disciple. And there are, in these two stories, two ways that Jesus teaches us to be humble. First is humility before God, and the other is humility before other people. You see, when Jesus addresses the crowd and they're all rushing to the head of the table, you know what's so funny is they think they're all important, and they know Jesus is there, but they don't know Jesus is there. They're taking the head of the table, but Jesus is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the most important in the room, and they may be able to take his seat today, but there will be another banquet. There will be another day when if they rush up to the head table, somebody's going to say, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry, sir. There's somebody more important than you here. You're going to need to step down a little bit. And you know who that person's going to be? That's going to be Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, the creator of the world, the ruler of all things. You see, the folks who are in the room were quite professional. They knew temple life. They knew religious life. They knew church life. And they had made sure that that they did everything that they could so that they could be as good as possible. And that made them something in the eyes of people at the dinner table. But the, the thing that Jesus invites us to do is not just avoid getting embarrassed at the head table. He's inviting us to humble ourselves before God because there is nothing, no matter what you think you can do, that is going to impress God enough for you to earn anything from God because everything that we have is a gift from God, not earned by you, not earned by me, but given by God and paid for with a price. Do you realize that you are alive because of God? You didn't birth yourself. You didn't give yourself the involuntary reflex to take your first breath. You didn't wake up simply on your own. It's all grace. If you are a follower of Jesus saved by his grace, you didn't earn that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin are death. If, if you know Jesus and you are saved and you are on the way to the eternal kingdom, that's not something that you did by yourself. That is all grace. All grace. And there's a point in Christians' lives, many of us, and it might just happen for a moment, and some of us get caught in seasons where we're going to think, wow, look at all the blessings that I have, and look at how good I've become from where I was. And we're going to make this this hair turn to the right that's going to be like, wow, I deserve that and I did that. And you're going to forget to thank God. You're going to forget to say, this isn't of me, this is God. God, thank you for my breath. God, thank you for my salvation. God, thank you for my forgiveness. God, thank you for all that you are doing in me and through me. And thank you for the way that you are changing my life. God, thank you because you see, nothing is of your making. It is all grace. It is all grace. Humble yourselves before God because when we know how to do the church thing and we stand up tall like we something in the eyes of God, what we forget is that Jesus is in the room. And if you rush to the head table like you did it all yourself, you're going to be humbled. And that too is going to be a grace and good for you. Oh, but listen, if we humble ourselves before God, offering all of our heart to God, thanking God for everything that happens in our lives and giving ourselves fully, do you know what will happen then? Come here, child. I've got a place up here just for you. Humble yourselves before God. And then humble yourselves before other people. 
humble yourselves before other people. You see, the host of this party, he brought the who's who around because you know when you're hosting a dinner, you need everybody to see your house and your fine china and whatever it is you got going on, and you need to know, people to know that you can be a benefactor like that. And he has all these people, and, and they're going to invite him back. And Jesus says, listen, you've got all the people that mean something to you that you can get something out of. It's time for you to spend time with people who you can get nothing out of, but who you can give everything to. It's time for you to, to spend time with the poor and the lame and the sick and the blind and not just spend time with them. This is at a dinner table in this person's house. That's crazy. That's an intimate place. That's more than just, hey, here's a dollar, though a dollar is good. That is Enter into the intimacy of my life, you person that I do not know, you person that may not be like me, you person whom I may have categorized as lower than me, but humble yourself that you might be with them. You see, there's something about uh, just the inner natural quick workings of our minds that when we observe somebody, that we do a quick category check. Where am I in relation to so-and-so? Be it socially, economically, cleanliness, whatever it is. And we just say, I'm here, that person's here. Who am I in relation to them and who are they in relation to me? And Jesus says, humble yourself so that everybody is above you so that you might be honored and honor everyone. You see, when when there's somebody else around us, it does not matter what they look like, what race they are, how much money they have, or even how they smell. (laughs) If you like them, if they're weird, if they're not weird, you all hold something in common, each and every one of us. And, and, And you could point it down to three things. You are dust, and so are they. You have life because God breathed the Spirit in you, and that's how they have it as well. And you are deeply loved by the Creator, and so are they. And that is what every person has in common. Don't live for the moment where we think, what can I get or lose by being close with a person? But think in the long term to say, how can I humble myself to honor God by honoring another? Because no matter what I gain or lose, I'll gain more in the kingdom. And so will that. Hebrews 13 says, do not neglect to offer hospitality to strangers, for many have done so and entertained angels without knowing it. And I'm so glad uh, to be a part of a church that loves every person in our community, rich and poor and black and white and Hispanic and this kind and that kind and this one and that one. And we need to remember to humble ourselves before others because it honors God. Every person created by God in the image of God, loved by God, in need of the blood of Jesus Christ. And what a witness it would be to say, I welcome you into my heart, no matter what. And if I can do that, it's just a sign of what Jesus will do for you. And when you say, I'm going to make space in my heart, then you also make space in your heart for Jesus. Humility. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before others. So Wanda Dench will be having Jamal Hilton join her at her table at Thanksgiving again this year. That's the plan. And he will have a seat of honor at her family table. Why? Because that's what grandmas do. And that's what disciples do. Because disciples are humble. Amen? Amen.
and we get to share space with one another at the table today to practice what